This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Sometimes it's just good to sit and be quiet for a while. And I just have to tell you that the truth that we just sang, we sang a phrase that said, Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. The great thing about God and the great thing about His Word is that when everything else around us is changing and when we think we can depend on things and we find out that we can't and when we think we can depend on people and we find out we can't, the great thing is God never changes. He doesn't have to. And that's what adds stability to our lives. So I want to welcome you along on that journey, and I, I too am grateful with Justin that uh, Christ got it not only in his heart, but all the way out to his hands and his feet. And uh, so I'm going to talk to you about something this morning that I hope we can get in our heart, and I hope we can take all the way out to our hands and our feet, that we can actually live it out. So uh, I have a question for you. Are you ready to grow spiritually? You Sure. Are you ready to change? Yeah, that's not usually as loud as the first one, right? <laughs> you know, the interesting thing is, in order to grow, you have to do two things. You have to learn and you have to change according to what you learn. And so this morning, I'm going to welcome you along on that journey. Whether you're here for the first time or you're here for the hundredth time, it really doesn't make any difference. We gather together to bless God, which is what we just did. And then we gather together to learn and to be taught by Him and to be instructed by Him and to actually learn. And then as we take what we learn and we live it out in our hands and our feet and in our lives, we actually grow and develop spiritually. And uh, I know a pastor who one time encouraged his people, for this Sunday morning, whatever door you came into this building, I want you to leave out a different door because I want it to be a lesson to you that you need to leave differently than you came. And there's a little truth in that. So I I, I really want to encourage you this morning, I don't care which door you go out of, all right? But I want you to leave in some way a little different person than you came because I know that's God's agenda for you. And uh, so, welcome along on that journey. We're going to learn and grow and change this morning. Uh, If you want to open your your programs and pull out the teaching notes section, um, I'm going to guide us through that. That's where you can take some notes. I've got several things I want you to write down this morning in the margins, as well as blanks that you can fill in as we go along. We are in the middle of a series of sermons called You Asked For It. And uh, so a few weeks ago, we said to you, write down any question that you would like for us to address in a teaching series, and we will do that. And uh, we got uh, somewhere over 130 different questions that came in from different people on subjects that uh, you would like to have addressed. And of course, many of them were duplicates coming from different people. And the subject that I'm going to address this morning was the most frequently asked question by all of you. And it had to do with questions about sexuality, and in particular, homosexuality. So are you ready for that? You know, it's interesting. When I say the word sexuality, first of all, some of you think, 
can I be in church and say that word? You know, it doesn't sound like an appropriate word for a, a pastor to talk about. And further, when I say the word homosexuality, oftentimes you can just feel, maybe not so much here at New Life, but in many churches you can feel the tension just rise. What's he going to say? What's this going to be like? Well, this morning I want to have an atmosphere of just complete transparency. The very few topics that I will feel as deeply about as I feel about this. And I hope that you catch not so much my heart, but I hope this morning that you catch God's heart. And I hope you catch God's truth. Because if you leave with either one and you don't get the other, you will, you will leave with a significant amount of misinformation. So let's start. Let's put some things right on the table, right up front. I want to give you six things that we just need to be up front about and speak the truth about. You ready? Here's the first one. Every person in this room has a friend, a family member, a fellow student, or a co-worker that's gay. Am I right about that? Sure enough. So this is right where we live. Let's get the second thing right out on the table. Here it is. There are people in this room right now who every day of their lives experience same sex attraction. That's true. Right here, right now, this morning. I know that because you've come to me and talked to me about it. And I'm glad that you have. And, and if we think anything other than that, we are pretty either naive or living in denial. Okay? By the way, I'm glad about that. Let's go to number three. Each of us has deeply held thoughts, opinions, and perhaps even fears about this subject. Are we on board with that? We do. We all have deeply held thoughts, feelings, opinions, and perhaps even some fears about that. We're going to address those this morning, hopefully with a lot of truth. And then number four is this. There's probably been more heat than light generated by most of the discussions around this, this subject. Have you been in any heated discussions about this? Sure you have. If you've had any discussions with anyone, it's been heated normally because a lot of times our thoughts and feelings get in the way of what is actual reality. And I say that, friends, from both sides of the spectrum. Okay? Lots of times there's a lot more heat than light generated. The next, number five, is this. The church has been inconsistent and pretty ineffective in its communication of God's heart and His truth about homosexuality. I started out this morning to talk about the entire subject of sexuality, but it was just too big to talk about in, in one shot. And since more questions came in about homosexuality than the other aspects of sexuality, I'm just going to touch a little bit on some of the other aspects of sexuality. I'm going to talk mostly about homosexuality today. But I can tell you for sure that the church, and I'm not talking about New Life, I'm talking about the Big C Church, the church across the face of the world, has been pretty ineffective and inconsistent. I want to read you an excerpt from a letter that was written to a pastor friend of mine, and I'm reading it with his permission and reading it with the permission of the person who actually wrote it. 
My plan when I reached Las Vegas was to leave it all behind, the gay lifestyle, to try to start fresh again. Within a year, I was involved in relationships primarily with Christian women. They became my despondency in time. By the way, the person who wrote this is a lady. In an effort to, quote, straighten up my life, quote, spend time with the church family, and, quote, stay out of bad, influential environments, and all those other great ideas of the church, I kept ending up in relationships with women who were supposed to be developing healthy female relationships with me. The very church I confessed to, cried out to, and worshiped with, in the end, stepped on my heart and destroyed my faith. They told me I had greased my way to hell. They backed their words up with scriptures. It nearly sent me to my grave. My heart is filled with anger toward the church and Christians in general. They have failed me and so many others like me. It cuts like a knife. not the way it's supposed to be. When I tell you the church has been inconsistent, no one in this area, no one who lives in Northern California should doubt the inconsistency of multitudes of churches in Northern California. We live in a place where young boys have been molested by clergy, haven't we? Yeah. The church has been inconsistent and therefore very ineffective. Churches tend to line up on one side or the other. Those who are pro-homosexual, pro-gay, pro-lesbian, and pushing that environment all the time, and churches that tend to protest and talk about how terrible it is. Somewhere in the middle of that, God's heart and God's truth don't get communicated very well. Well, this morning, I hope you catch God's heart and I hope he catches truth as well. Number six, this is the last thing we're going to put right on the table and we're going to talk about the subject. And that is at some point, I'm probably going to say something that will either be very difficult for you to hear or flat out make you mad at me this morning. So can we agree on a couple of things? Okay, maybe three. Number one, we're going to be friends by the end of the morning, all right? Okay. Number two, I want you to listen with an open mind regardless of what your deeply held thoughts and feelings and opinions are. Because I'm not going to speak to you at all really about my truth or what I believe. I'm going to take you to God's Word. We're going to look at that. And we're going to see not only God's truth but God's heart. And number three, please stay with me all the way to the end. Don't check out halfway through. Because if you check out halfway through, you're only going to get half of what God has to say to you, and you'll walk out, regardless of which side you end up on, you'll walk out with a misunderstanding of what God actually says, feels, and believes, and teaches. So can we agree to those three? Shake your head like this, please. We're on board. All right. Here we go. Let's talk about four truths about God and homosexuality. The first one is this. God is grieved over the pain 
and the mistreatment inflicted on gay and lesbian people. And I hesitate to put the rest of that on there, but it is true. Often, not always, but often by Christian people. 1999, Matthew Shepard, University of Wyoming college student, was taken to a remote area outside of Laramie, Wyoming. He was strapped to a post and pistol-whipped unconscious and left hanging on that post in near-freezing weather to die. He was found 18 hours later by a cyclist who orchestrated his rescue. He lived for four days before succumbing to those injuries. What did he do to deserve that? He was gay. He came out in the trial. But the two men who had done that to him chose him purely and simply because he was gay. Right away, most of us go, thank God I didn't do that. I'm good. I'm clean. I want to talk to you about my own experience. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I grew up in the Midwest. And I grew up where people who, who dealt with same-sex attraction were clearly not understood. They were misunderstood. And they were considered weird. No one knew what to do with them. It was definitely the us and the them mindset. So I heard my share of queer jokes and gay jokes and I'm sorry, even faggot jokes. And I'm ashamed to tell you as a young person I not only heard those, I shared some. That's it's not right. Now I went to God and God shined His light. Remember that we'll be just saying, your light will shine when all else fades. Out of His grace and mercy, God shined His light on the darkness of my life. And He began to illuminate His heart for all people, including those who deal with same-sex attraction. I went to God, I got forgiveness from that, and I'm, and I'm glad I did. And I can tell you that over the years I've ministered to and become friends with a number of gay and lesbian people. I've done the memorial services for a number of people who have died with AIDS, some of whom their families wouldn't even come to the service. I've ministered to at least two transsexual people that I know of on a regular basis. Maybe more, I just don't know. Got it? Some of you are quick. And I can tell you along the way that I have learned by experience, hopefully, to be more and more like Jesus who ate and shared life with all kinds of people. Can we get on board with that? Yeah. 
I, I hope in this message to be able to communicate to you and to me that there is no us and them. I don't care what we're talking about. There's just us as human beings. See, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt on the authority of every word, of every page that's in the Bible, which is God's word to us, I can tell you on the authority of every page that every time anyone, black or white, male or female, gay or straight, rich or poor, old or young, it doesn't make any difference. Every time anyone is ostracized, mistreated, condemned, misunderstood, and definitely persecuted, every time that happens to anybody, God cries. And I think it's time that churches everywhere begin to cry when people are mistreated. I don't care who they are. So if you don't get that, then you don't get God's heart. I want you to hear that clearly. And friends, I, I, I want us to take what Justin said to us just prior to communion about sometimes it's, okay, it's, it's easy for us to get it in the heart but not get it in the hands. Okay? I want us to get it all the way out to our hands so that we learn how to love and care for and genuinely share life with those who deal with same-sex attraction. Number two. Second thing you and I... By the way, here's the conclusion. The conclusion is God's grieved. And we should be too. That's why it bothers me when churches take to the streets and they're more interested in protesting than they are in loving and caring. I can tell you this for sure. You will never see new life out on the street protesting against any person for any reason. That's not God's call. Christ wouldn't do that, and we don't. Okay? Number two. God is a lot smarter than we are when it comes to understanding the complex dynamics that lead to same-sex attraction. He's a lot smarter than we are. You've observed it, and I've observed it. Here are children raised in the same home. they got the same dad. they got the same mom. They live in the same house. They go to the same schools. Uh, they basically do the same things in life. They go on the same vacations. One of them ends up with same-sex attraction, and the rest of them don't. And you sit there and scratch your head, and you go, how'd that happen? Right? We've all seen that. Well, some of the best and brightest minds in our world have been studying this for several decades, actually for several centuries, but certainly at a scientific level for several decades. There have been three potential or possible contributing factors that usually get brought to the surface. And so I want to talk to you about each of those three because each is important. Okay, And the first possible contributing factor is dysfunctional and disruptive uh, I'm sorry, and destructive families. Researchers noted that in homes where the father is either absent, distant, um, non-relational, or neglectful, in those homes, 
they tended to raise a higher percentage of children with same-sex attraction than in other homes that were less dysfunctional. And it was markedly higher. On the other side of the coin, in homes where mom was overbearing and critical and judgmental and demanding and controlling, in homes like that, the same thing, a much higher percentage of children who ended up with same-sex attraction. And friends, when you put both of those in the same home, you understand? You're starting to get the perfect storm there. And yet, that's actually not a cause. can be a contributing factor, but it's not a cause. And we know that it's not a cause because many children who are raised in those same homes do not end up with same-sex attraction. So it's actually not a cause can be a contributing factor. To what degree is it a contributing factor? We actually don't know. Lots of research has been done, but the answer is we just don't know. And anybody who's being intellectually and scientifically honest with you would be forced to admit that. We just don't know. It's a second contributing factor that has been observed often, and that is early same-sex experiences with a trusted friend or family member can definitely give people a predisposition. I can tell you, I know many gay and lesbian people who fit in category number one. They grew up in destructive and dysfunctional families. Okay, I know many in category number two that at an early age, I'm thinking of a good friend of mine, that uh, I was pastoring a few years ago. And he sat down and he said to me, and, and he, he said, I have a confession to make to you, and that is, I'm gay. Okay? And he said, I want to tell you my story. From late elementary age, up through junior high, up through high school, virtually every day of my life, I was forced to service either my older brother or my father or both. Virtually every day of my life. Friends, I can tell you that story over and over and over again. It's a contributing factor. Does it cause it? No, we can't say that either because there are people who have been raised in that exact same environment who actually don't turn out to be gay and have same-sex attraction. So you can't label it as a cause. Boy, if this happens to you, you're just sort of hopelessly cast in that direction and there's nothing you can do about it because that's that's simply not true. Those are not the scientific facts. But it's a definite contributing factor because when when children are forced to have same-sex experiences at an early age, it can definitely predispose them in that direction. By the way, can we do anything about that? Absolutely. It's time for adults to be adults and treat children like they should. Are you on board with that? Absolutely. Okay. Let's go to number three. And this is the one that gets the most press right now, and that is genetics. Okay. And usually this is found under the statement, I was born this way. Correct? Yeah. And we get spoon-fed that a lot. I want to speak the truth into this because... Again, there, 
almost any time that two people sit down and they talk about this subject, they can get firing back and forth and they're sort of pontificating and, and, and saying things that they're pretty sure are true but because they've heard them somewhere and so forth. Okay? I want to take you back to the 1990s because the original study that was done that virtually everyone quotes was a study done by Dr. Simon LeVay in which he said uh, in, in the medical circles that he had found a key difference in the brain structure of young homosexual males when compared to young heterosexual males. And therefore, people concluded that, oh, that meant that they were born that way. I want to read to you directly from Simon LeVay himself. He said in a 1994 interview, he said, it is important to stress what I did not find. I did not prove that homosexuality is genetic or find a genetic cause for being gay. I did not show that gay men are born that way. That is the most common mistake people make in interpreting my work. See, lots of times we, we sort of just spout and we think we're teaching the truth, but we're actually saying something we, that we can't actually verify. And to be sure, the medical community to date, okay, that was in the early 1990s, this is 2011, so for 20-some years the medical community has been trying to duplicate or replicate or verify Simon LeVay's findings without success. Okay? So, it's important for us to know that. And yet, are some people genetically or from birth predisposed towards same-sex attraction? I think the answer is yes. Even though we can't, at this point, find any scientific proof for it, I think the answer is yes. So how do we deal with that? We'll talk to you a little bit later about how to deal with that. But the important thing is that we come to an understanding of this. And that is, no matter what anyone says, the truth is, no one living on the face of planet Earth really understands the complex dynamics that go into producing same-sex attraction in people. We just don't know. But I want to give you the conclusion. The conclusion is this. While we may not understand those things, who does? God does. And that's really important for us. Okay? And so the Bible says, how great is our Lord. His understanding is beyond what? Comprehension. I want to tell you this. Long after the dust has settled on this culture and long after the dust has settled on the United States of America and the history books are written about the United States of America, long after the dust has settled, the truth of God will endure. Okay? And just like when you and I were little kids, we didn't necessarily understand all of the do's and don'ts that our parents gave us. <laughs> Eventually, when we lived long enough, did we come to a place of understanding by golly, I think they really did have my best interest in mind. Yeah, it's true. And God, our Heavenly Father, is the same thing for us. So, number two, 
God is a lot smarter when it comes to understanding those complex dynamics. So what does God say? Number three is this. God expects his followers to speak the truth in love. And God really does expect all of us to speak the truth in love. You see, when it comes to understanding right and wrong, when it comes to taking our moral clues, it's important for us to know as Christians that we take our moral clues from the source book, which is God's Word. If this is not God's Word, then we just make it up. Anybody's opinion? What's the old, what's the old statement? Opinions are like hind ends, right? Everybody's got one. And so we'll just, you'll go by whatever our gut is. But the truth is, there's a reason that God gave us a source book, and it's important for us to go to that source book. And I want you to understand this. We don't tailor the teachings of this book to fit our lifestyle. We tailor our lifestyle to fit the teachings of this book. Does that make sense to you? That's extremely important for us to understand. Not just on this subject, on every subject. So let's go to God's Word, and I'm going to take you to four different passages, and in the end, I'm going to take you to a fifth one. But you've got to have all four of these put together before you can catch what God's heart is and God's truth is about homosexuality. And so let's go to the first one. It's found in Leviticus chapter 18. Here's what God said. And by the way, from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, God's heart and His teaching is the same. So this is sort of toward the beginning of the Bible. God says, do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman is a detestable sin. One thing about God, you rarely have to wonder what He thinks. Got it? Could not say that any clearer. Okay? Moving on more toward the end of the Bible, you'll see the exact same teaching from God toward the end of the Bible here in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 26. When God was talking about all kinds of sin in the world, I, I just happened to pull this excerpt out because in this particular excerpt, he was talking about the sin of homosexuality. It says, God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other, men did shameful things with other men. As a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And we could spend a lot of time trying to break that all out. But I, I want you to know right up front, you can already begin to see what God says in terms of what is true about that. And that is that same-sex attraction does not come from Him. Now, let's go on to a third one, because this is one that's going to help us put it in context. By the way, have you ever read anything in the Bible and you felt guilty? If you haven't, you haven't read much of it, okay? Because it doesn't take God long to point out something in your life that needs to be changed. doesn't mean God doesn't like you. doesn't mean He loves you. I mean, He doesn't love you. I happen to have been born dishonest. Do I like that? No, I don't like that. Before I was born, did God take me aside and say, Hey, Ron, which sins would you like to be tempted with? No, that didn't happen for me. I didn't get to choose. But I was born dishonest, and I got in more trouble as a kid for being dishonest than probably any other thing. I was actually born unkind, too. But that we, that we'll reserve that for a, a later date. But, but the truth is, 
You know, that's just the way life is. We're born with tendencies to go certain directions. Here's what God says. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. I want you to underline the last part of that. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Did you know you can take the moral code for sexuality that God gives throughout the entirety of Scripture? You could actually state it in one sentence. Here it is. I want to read it to you. It'll be up on the video screens. God designed sexual experience to be between a man and a woman. That should be actually one woman, not more than one up there, all right? In the contact, thank you. I don't know how that typo got in there, all right? <laughs> in the context, the confines, and the commitment of marriage. Friends, I have searched the Bible from the, from the very first chapter of Genesis, the first part of the Bible, to the very last chapter of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, and there is no context in which God blesses any sexual experience other than in that particular confine. That's it. You have everything God says, really, about sexuality and His code for sexuality in one sentence. Now, i got to tell you that that verse has as much to say to heterosexual people as it does homosexual people. Doesn't it? Absolutely. In fact, I firmly believe that every person who ever lives is going to be tempted sexually. I've never met someone who wasn't. Okay? So you're either going to be tempted heterosexually to sin or you're going to be tempted homosexually to sin. But you're probably going to be tempted one way or the other. Is one form of temptation any better or worse than the other? As far as I can tell, temptation is just temptation. Okay? We'll, del we'll delve into that just a little bit more because I want to take you to one other passage of Scripture and, and so when you put all four of these together, you get God's heart and God's truth. And when I read you this passage of Scripture out of 1 Corinthians, I want you to see how many times you find yourself in this passage. Do you not know that wrongdoers... Are there any wrongdoers in the audience this morning? Okay, you've already found yourself at least once, right? Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Is that good news? No, that's not very good news. He goes on to say, Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor practicing homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy. Have you found yourself more than once? Nor drunkards. Anybody here ever had too much to drink? This is wine country, is it not? Nor slanderers. You ever say anything about somebody you shouldn't have said? Yeah. Nor swindlers. You ever done anything that was dishonest? I already told you I was born with that gift. No, that's not a gift, all right? Yes. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. You know something? I find myself on that list. I already told you at least one place I find myself on that list. But I find myself on that list more than once. I want us to understand something. 
that sometimes, and I, and I want to say all too often, Christian people put homosexuality in a sort of category all by itself. Do you see it separated out there? It's just like everything else. Okay? I, w- I want you to see something else this passage doesn't say. This passage doesn't say that experiencing same-sex temptation is a sin. Does it say that? No. It's never a sin to be tempted. It's what we do with that temptation that either leads to sin or doesn't lead to sin. And as I said earlier, you don't get to pick your temptations. I didn't get to pick my temptations. So should I be made to feel guilty because my temptations have to do with being unkind and dishonest? And I'll I'll add a third one, lazy. Okay? No. But you know, if I give my life over to those, that's a problem. If that becomes my lifestyle, that's a problem. Because let's go to principle number four. By the way, the conclusion, you want to write it down? This was a hard one for me to write down, but it's true. Ready? Here's the conclusion. We are all what kind of sinners? Sexual sinners. I don't think I've ever... You know what Jesus said? If you look upon a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. What kind of sinner are you? Yeah. Got it? Let's go to number four. Number four is God loves, forgives, and transforms all sinners. Important to know that. I want to go back and read this verse again, and I want to put the next verse behind it. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. You know what that means? Don't let anyone tell you differently. Don't be deceived. Don't allow yourself to believe any differently. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor practicing homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you... What's the next word? Were. I want you to circle that word. He doesn't say that's what, that's what some of you are. That's what some of you were. He goes on to say, But you were washed. And you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That's the message we sang this morning, that we can be changed from the inside out. And God's going to do that by shining His light on the darkness of our lives, and by putting His Spirit within us and changing us. And what I want you to see, and by the way, there's no us and them here, Because God issues the same verdict that He does in terms of homosexuality for those who struggle with pornography, for those who sleep together before they get married, for those who go downtown Petaluma to do a little girl watching. Are you on board? This is where I start preaching, right? It's so important for us to understand that when it comes to any temptation, they all lead to the same place. Okay? But the great thing is, I don't care what the temptation is, when we bring it to Jesus, here's the conclusion. God gives us a choice. I can live my whole life and be lazy. I can live my whole life and be dishonest. I can live my whole life and be unkind. And I can claim 
because I was that way as a child. My parents, believe me, never taught me any of those three. I could claim I was born that way. And yeah, technically, I was predisposed toward those things. But by God's grace, I've taken those to Jesus and said, Lord, would you help me with this? And he's helped me with those. And so today, I don't live defeated by those things. I haven't made them my lifestyle because God offers me a choice. And the same is true whether you struggle with heterosexual temptation or homosexual temptation. God offers you a choice. It does not have to become your lifestyle. I know that not only because God's Word says it, but I know that because it's happening all across the country and all around the world. I have a good friend who lives here. In fact, I'm sort of kicking myself around the block. I should have brought him here this morning. I should have had him give you his personal testimony. He's a wonderful worship leader that, that leads worship in Marin County. He has actually been at New Life and helped us lead worship on more than one occasion. He's a great Christian brother, but his story is because who knows why he grew up gay. Jesus Christ got a hold of his life. He took that sexual temptation to Jesus. Today he's married, has three kids, happily married, and, and has experienced complete transformation. And his story is replicated millions of times around the world. Why? Because God is bigger than any temptation that you and I encounter. As we close, and uh, I've taken a little extra time this morning, I appreciate your, your indulgence in that. But as we close, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that m- might make a number of people uncomfortable here this morning, but it's the truth. Okay? Here it is. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, and yet he did no sin. You know what I would conclude from that? At some point, Jesus was tempted to sin homosexually. If he was tempted in every way like we are, do I think Jesus was ever tempted to be lazy? Yeah, he was. Or to be unkind? Yeah. Or to be dishonest? Yes. Did he ever experience same-sex attraction? Evidently he did because he was tempted in every way that like we are. And you know, that's a wonderfully encouraging message to me because it means I know that Jesus knows what it feels like to be lazy. Okay? And if you're one of the people who struggles with same-sex attraction, I want you to know that Jesus knows what it feels like to be where you are today. And yet was without sin. As we close, I want to give two words. The first is uh, to those of us at New Life. Because right away some of you are going to say, so what does this mean, Pastor? Does this mean this is going to be a safe church for homosexual, gay, and lesbian people to come? This is going to be a safe haven for them to come. And the answer to that is yes. Because the moment we start shutting out sinners, I'll say goodbye to you too. (laughs) You understand? Yeah. This is a place that God has ordained that no matter what we struggle with, we will come here and we will be loved and we will be cared for. We will be genuinely ministered to and in the process of loving each other, 
we will continually call each other to purity and righteousness. Yes? Yes. As a church, how could we do anything different than that? I say a word to those of you who struggle with same-sex attraction. Number one, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I pray that you have heard not only God's heart and God's truth for who you are and what you struggle with, but I pray that you have heard our heart as a church for you. You are welcome here. And we will continue to call you to a place of transformation in Jesus just like all the rest of us sinners. should have taken out your Start Here card, your Connect card. Look on the back. Sort of right in the middle, up above where all the empty lines are, there's a place for us to apply this teaching. Okay? And, and I believe that God has some things He wants to call us to this morning. So, number one, I'm asking God to forgive my tendency to judge and condemn those who struggle with homosexuality. Friends, if that's where you are and that's where you've been, I just want to call you to that. In fact, God wants to call you to that. Because we have to become people who love everyone, period. Number two, I'm committing myself to genuinely loving every sexual sinner in my world. You know, there's a difference between not judging them and actually befriending them. Okay? God calls us to both. Number three, I'm choosing to become a follower of Jesus. The one I didn't put on there that I should have put on there is this. I'm repenting of sexual sin. You can write it down on any of those blank lines. And it could be any form of sexual sin. It could be pornography. It could be sleeping together before you get married. It could be date sex. It could be lust in your heart. It could be anything, including homosexuality or gay and lesbian sin. I believe. What did I say on the way in? This is a morning of change. Did I say that? Yeah. I pray that we make the changes we need to make personally so that we as a church can become effective and consistent in communicating God's love and his truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our hearts are touched this morning, deeply touched by our brothers and sisters who struggle with this temptation. And Lord, we come confessing that many of us, either today or in our past, have just not looked at that correctly. And because of that, we haven't been able or had the opportunity to very effectively communicate your great love and your wonderful message of transformation. So Lord, we come before you this morning. Would you move us to check the boxes, not just to check the boxes, but to make the choices that we need to make so that we can become effective in carrying that truth and your love. We pray in Jesus' name.
We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.